Hello, adventurers. Welcome to another episode between our seasons. Now, what makes this one a little bit more interesting, at least to me, is I am in Happy Go Lucky Studios right now, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I like how you said that. Studios. The, the happy go, it is a studio. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a studio. It, it is. It is. And, 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 and it's been a wonderful experience being out here working with Daniel, and we have some big announcements to talk about. Big. So, yes, absolutely. It, so when I here in the studio, and I, I, I breathe in deep, there's a ah, smell. What do you smell, my friend? I smell good ham. Good ham. Yeah. So, mm. was that creepy? Did we just? I think that was creepy. I think it sounded a little creepy. I would agree. Yeah. It's pro probably not the best. It is thing. good ham. It is. So, uh, so good. You know, in Pittsburgh, was that good ham? It's chipped ham. It's that sandwich yesterday mm. was amazing. Oh, that was pastrami, right? Pastrami. Okay. Yeah, that was pastrami. It wasn't quite ham. Wasn't ham. No. So, what we wanted to bring everybody together for. Uh, to hear us speak about was we are actually combining not only studio work, we've done a lot of collaboration in the past, you know, several years together, but we're actually combining the worlds of Happy Go Lucky, more importantly, the Chronicles of Aerodel with the world of on the dragons with dice tower theater mm -hmm. and very excited we'll be sharing more of that as we go uh so a tip or trick pro tip to everybody is to keep watching the feeds keep picking up on the little hints that you'll find out between the worlds and really embrace it you'll uh, it, it'll make the experience all all the better as you realize how the worlds do blend together mm. Yeah, that's some good ham. Yes. So you have to listen closely, I think. I agree. Isn't mm -hmm. they are very subtle. Yes. But they're there. All right. Well, that's the the first part of the announcement. I also wanted to take this time to talk to Daniel, uh, since we're doing this series. Is that that's all we're gonna say about the good ham thing? I think that's all we'll say about the good ham. What do you think? I mean, I think people are hungry for good ham. They are hungry about good ham. Okay, so let what I mean, so in general, right? So we're we're oh, now we're true. combining worlds, we're combining yeah. efforts. Give them a little tease, you think? A little tease of what this ham is, or we could we could discuss a little bit more about what are some of the things so, we should look for. Well, so, so let's like, like the component parts, right? We have for a number of years shared actors. So a lot of my voice actors have come from the troupe, the Dice Tower Theater troupe, and that continues. So there's a, a sharing of a sharing of actors. Now we're uh, Mike was just in the studio here cutting music. So now we're looking at sharing of of music, of assets that we use, of sound effects, of shared libraries that we have, and uh, and as he's talking about sharing the story and the worlds that we're creating as they as they come together. So a project that I've talked about on my side, the resonance is going to be the crossover, the initial crossover. Now there's a, there will be, I would just say that, right? So both of our worlds are going to cross in their natural feeds in the natural storyline. Now you may, you know, because there's players, you've got players in your world. You used to have players in my world, but now it's all scripted. So there won't be as much of a surprise, but I think your players 
will experience that surprise as long as they've listened to my side of the world. But most of them, are there any of them that are not in my world from a acting standpoint? I think most of them are. Yeah, mo- most of them are. I-, I think we may have a few that aren't. I but you're I- hiding some of your acting crew from me, Mike. It, yes. I, feels it, it's not hiding, Daniel. It's protecting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I get that. <laughs> I deserve that fully. There you go. Yeah. So it, that, that being said, mm-hmm. right, and that, that kind of leads into uh, what, what we're discussing. So with the, the resonance, um, I think what's going to make that a fun collaboration is it will also be um, – Jolene's first time. Ah. Right. I think that's probably even, that's like hiding the lead. It is. So Jolene, who plays Cordelia mm-hmm. on your side of, and other characters, in my world, this is Charlie we're talking about. So the actor behind Charlie has been doing editing, right, on your side. Correct. For a good period of time. Yes. I have been all alone, all alone in a world of happy-go-lucky until now. Jolene is taking on a directorial role and editing and soundscaping role, which means leaves me doing some writing. And I'm not even going to act in this thing. I'm not going to narrate in this thing. We no narrator, which should make some of the old timey audio drama people very happy that at long last our narrated shows are going to be more traditional audio drama. Although I don't think either of us do anything really terribly traditionally but no uh, but jolene is going to be shaping that experience i'm super excited about that yeah that'll be awesome that'll be awesome the uh the, i know the team's looking forward to it and we're going to have a um you know all-star cast well the i don't i don't want to give away too much so i think the the biggest thing is everybody should use this time Listen to the catalog of both both our our feeds. Mm-hmm. Get get used to these characters because they're going to see that overlap, and that'll make the experience all the all the better. Yes, when they hear the resonance, the resonance. And it's the resonance eternity eternity man. machine. Yes, yeah. Centralia was in the resonance, and then we had the cut of the audio drama pieces I did around that that were the resonance. So that's the back catalog. This will pull from that characters. <clears throat> we'll definitely draw directly from that and from Cassie Charlie and from your world as well, uh, the world of Dawn of Dragons. Um, but yeah, so it'll be the Resonance Eternity Machine. Excellent. Very good. Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit. I'm going to now focus on you. I know you don't like it when I do this, but that tough. That's what this is. Mm. So <laughs> what is next in your release schedule for happy go lucky what 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 can we look forward to yes so we did like overall stream uh mike joined the family here in happy go lucky studios in pittsburgh pennsylvania <clears throat> and played a game with us the second version of the ballweg heist uh, so that we're going to roll out but in terms of story story so um life in general has been brutal for many many people and crazy over the last couple of years Everybody knows why. It's the thing that will not be named. So we're not going to talk about that piece of it. But we've had to make a lot of staffing, a lot of uh, casting changes because of that. You know, people just 
life has changed over two years and we've struggled to roll Cassie and the spectral shade out because of those varying casting changes and all kinds of, you know, challenges. Everybody's had that. So, and that, that's, you know, that's not, it's not here or there. You know, we love our actors when we have them and we can, we can, you know, borrow them and use them. And sometimes you've got to make, you know, tough choices together to, to move on to those things. So we have a lot of changes. Uh, one of those is our main character, uh, Cassie had to, had to be changed. And so love Jess who played that, that part. Um, and she's, you know, she's agreed. She stepped down from that piece cause she couldn't continue with it. Um, JD Rose from your team plays Dabria and who else? Who else? She plays, uh, Dabria. There's an elven, um, an elven wizard in the first season. Uh, oh, actually played Shar, ah. the uh, the demoness in the Underdark. Excellent. In season two. Yes, very related to Cassie. Yeah, yes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think a, a necromancer or a demoness. Yeah. yeah. So, so, totally so, different character. So now. that's not Cassie. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Cassie is Charlie's sister, older sister, who goes off to. Uh, to Walgrove, the uh, governor's school for the arts at Walnut Grove, Walgrove, and, um, you know, discovers that her art is magic, basically is what that comes down to. It's an art school. Um, anyway, so she is taking over the lead role, our new lead role, our new Cassie is J.D. Rose, and super excited about that. I, we're going to have, I'll have, I guess, a casting announcement for all the changes that we have, um, but but quite a few, I've yeah. So, so quite a few. We'll get that. So what we're doing is recutting. I'm going back through, putting all the new actors uh, into the show. We're, we'll probably drop some of the crazy music that was in there. If you listen to this, I tried to do a musical. That was probably a bit of a stretch. I wanted to create a certain experience and, you know, kind of a campy, you know, 80s kind of vibe. And it definitely does that. And we'll, we'll keep it. We'll archive the stuff so people can reach uh, to that. There's portions that will definitely uh, stay in there. But probably redo that and do some remastering while I'm while I'm at it. The story won't change, but we're going to re-release those six episodes that I had. There are 14 total, so there are still eight episodes that no one's ever heard that are part of the book. And uh, completing that book is in editing. We'll complete that. The goal is this upcoming 2023 Christmas time period. We'll have Cassie and the Spectral Shade as a novel we'll release. That'll be the second novel that I've got because Charlie and uh, Saves Christmas. As an novel, it's already out, available on Amazon at uh, Barnes and Noble at other you know book locations that um, that you can find. Love for people to pick that up. Uh, that would be great. There's more to the story than, than what you hear in the uh, in the audio portion of it. And the um, link will be in the show notes. We'll make sure the link. Oh yeah, up there. make sure a link in the show notes. Uh, Mike will probably do that. I'm terrible at paperwork. Well, I guess we'll both release this on our own stream, so I have to do some paperwork. You're gonna have to do paperwork. Dang, man, the paperwork is just it's what killed me, Mike. I mean, copy. And paste. Copy. I know, but it's, you know, even hitting the buttons, it feels like it's draining my creative soul. And <laughs> I don't know, Mike. It's hard. You know, I'm in the studio. I am not a, you know, I'm not a writer. I mean, I can say I'm a writer. Okay. Big picture anyway. guy. Big, I'm the big picture guy. The big picture guy. The big picture guy. I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> This, this tactical thing. Yes, this this work yeah, like this. Yeah, exactly. it's, just, it's a drain, you know? I could be out there writing the next the next Moby Dick. Instead, paperwork. Paperwork. Put it in the show notes, Daniel. Okay. <clears throat> yes, Mike. See, this is what happens now. Now we're part of a team. Mike will hold me accountable. Your stories will be better. 
They better be. <laughs> At least the notes would be. <laughs> uh, well, you shouldn't have partnered with Kettle. <laughs> yeah, no, Kettle, that's right. <laughs> Mike plays all the villains <laughs> for a reason in my stories. Uh, you have me playing in a really obnoxious character in yours. I think we've typecast each other. It's, it is, it, yeah. it is, it's what friends do. It, it is. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, so that story will roll out with its new eight, you know, uh, through, through its Starting in the next couple of months, we'll get the, um, you know, the original release. I think we figured maybe every three weeks, something like that. It might be a little bit faster than that for the first six because we've got them. I just need to replace uh, voice parts, do some some other kind of editing with it. So we'll roll that out. Uh, we're working on the Resonance Eternity machine behind the scenes and what Mike, uh, what we decided, right? So Charlie Saves Christmas is the prelude to the Chronicles of Eridul, Cassie and the Spectral Shade is the first act first book it's the second like you know if i do a trilogy i have to have four books because that's just how i you know i don't know why just how i i can't just do a trilogy i mean i gotta do four books for it anyway so casting spectral shade is the first book the uh so I, i'll be right i started scoping the next book um, so the next series that, that will come out. And so I'm going to write that with the goal of premiering that uh, first, the first show of that at potentially, if we can get in, the New Jersey Web Fest. Excellent. So, yes. Uh, Mike just received Outstanding Fantasy uh, Narrative Fiction Podcast Award from the New Jersey Web Fest. Congratulations, Mike. Well, well thank you, Daniel. And thank you, everybody that supported us. Uh, in, in reaching that that goal, I mean that that, that was amazing, amazing. Yeah, and well deserved. Oh, thank so. you. I appreciate that. Thanks. So yeah. So anyway, I'm working with award winning podcaster, which makes me feel good, <laughs> and that's what this is all about ultimately. Uh, yeah. So that next book I'll be writing. So I we're yeah we're going to be kicking out Cassie or you know put getting Cassie redone, uh, all the other pieces released. Uh, Jolene will be working on the resonance behind the scene and releasing that sometime in the spring um, is the hope. And is the plan? It's the plan, not the hope anymore, people. It's the plan. And uh, and I'll be writing Charlie and the Absent Prince. So that's that's the, the name of the next book. And then we'll have one more book after that. And then we'll see if people like it and, you know, you're listening and you want more, then I'll write more. Uh, if not, we'll move on to additional projects. I've got some other fun projects, I think, in, in mind, but I'm I'm told I should not do all the fun little shiny object projects I should get. Get my main project, my actual projects that I, you know, that I know are my actual projects and focus on those. So I've really belabored this and just taken over your You're discussion here. So apologize you are, for that. You are fine. It's, it's okay. It, 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 this is what... This is not about me, Daniel, for once. It's oh, about you. <laughs> oh, good. It's about, finally. <laughs> finally, it's about Royalty me. has entered the room, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> You're calling me a nut. <laughs> That's right. The nut has arrived. The nut, yes. Yes. Yes, as, as Matthew Bianchi would say, royalty has entered the room. Royalty has as, entered the room. As he hold up the the lone Brazil nut out of the mixed nuts. Yes, the Brazil <laughs> nut. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Charlie. Excellent. Okay. Uh, so Charlie, we talked about the fact that it's going to relaunch on its own stream. 
yes. uh, that we're going to separate that out from the uh, so essentially happy go lucky the the current stream and podcast mm-hmm. will start pointing to some separate feeds yes that'll have the concise storylines in those correct so apologies uh, for those that enjoy going to happy go lucky having a single stream that is complete chaos someone out there i'm sure enjoys the chaos that that stream is because we you know it's like you like the old time hospitals where they build one piece and then they build onto it and like you know you're on floor one and suddenly on floor two of the next building so we have all these different stories and we've tried to organize them and then we have kind of the lucky go show as a talk show and we have centrally and you've got the humors you've got all this stuff there and it's just hard to navigate uh, and I think the story, the Chronicles of Aerodol, now that it is really fleshed out as being uh, a multi-story arc trilogy with four books, um, deserves its own, like the stories deserve their own stream. So you can go to a feed and you will just get that story and you don't have to wade through other kinds of things. So that is uh, that is part of the plan is to release all that on its own stream and you'll be able to access the Chronicles of Aerodol. Make it easier for to take the whole season well, season or book mm-hmm. or storyline and download it to your device and take it with you on a plane. To anywhere in the world that you want to go. You could take it with you. You could, you, could, you could do it in the car too. Yeah, true. Or the RV. Yes. Or if you're riding a motorcycle. Or in the Cracker Barrel parking lot. Or on a boat. I agree. A bicycle in Aspen. <laughs> and a, a kayak in Alaska. Nice. <laughs> a blueberry picking venture in Vermont. <laughs> you give up my uh, come yes. on. Uh, All right. Do I have a, a paddle board in Arkansas? <laughs> uh, skim board in Florida. I, I'm That's done. kind of cheating. Okay. All right. I am good. I am done. Riding with you, a sir. manatee in Florida. <laughs> Riding a manatee. Yes. You can listen to podcasts. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's let's talk about with Charlie, right? Get the some highlights from the show itself. So those that have, have not listened to it, this, you know, warning, there's spoilers, right? Yes. Charlie saves Christmas. What we're talking about. Yeah. Charlie saves Christmas, but it has been out for a bit. So yes. Um, if you haven't listened to it now, I know that it feels like, like maybe it's a kid's story. Cause originally we did really, really, the goal was to have a, um, I'm happy go lucky was family friendly. That was the goal. And, the protagonist is young, right? Charlie is 11 years old. So I get like when I'm writing a book and trying to fit it in, it's a middle grade book and adults do. You've read middle grade books. You've read Harry Potter and others. So I know that you read these books, people. Um, but the story is is for everybody, really. That's what it comes down to. Now, it's not just a kid's, it's not just a kid's story. Put it that way. So your, your, your kids can read it because it's clean. But there's a lot of deeper themes and we'll maybe talk through some of that absolutely yeah a lot of there is discussion or topics and discussion that happen throughout the story that are definitely deeper than what you would give a child it may may circle around a child but really it's all ages there's parts of it that are great for children there's parts of it that are more young adult uh, but overall it's a it is a great story that takes you for a ride. So let's talk about the the opening scene. What what 
what would you highlight in that that kind of sets the tone and the and the uh, of the story itself? Let me set the tone overall for the story. Right. So I, my background, I was a Navy chaplain, served with Marines, was in combat, have counseled thousands and thousands of of um, you know service members, their families, and so there are themes that I try to address at each of the storylines. There is a main theme that I'm addressing. The theme for Charlie is the concept of loss, how we experience loss, how we work through the concept of loss in its different facets, and ultimately about being found again. All right, so that is the overall story. Um, and what I did on purpose was to take known tropes, okay? So things that, that you sort of expected out of a fantasy that might feel overplayed or overused, and then to try to, to add little twists for those that are that are there to hear them, you know? And so we start with, it, it, so many books start with uh, a, a child that dreams, falls asleep, dreams, and wakes up and, you know, or dreams, goes into a world of dreams, something like that, falls asleep and then enters something, right? That's, mm -hmm. it's in a lot of stories, that's a known sort of trope. I start like that. I know that I'm starting like that. It's not like, oh, I you know, accidentally started the story like that. I did that on purpose. What, um, what I did as the twist is that it starts with a view where you understand that Charlie is living in a small apartment in a sky rise building. So I, it's not Kansas, you know, with, with Dorothy and those sorts of things. I'm setting the scene that we're in this sort of urban, urban area and at a point of, 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 of despair really is what she's at. Her, her sister, she has lost her older sister, not in the sense of, harm or anything like that, but her older sister has gone away to a prestigious boarding school. And so the one person that she is, you know, connected to most is, is gone. So this is her initial piece of loss. And she's going through this sense of loss. And it's this transformation, almost sudden transformation that her bedroom is not her bedroom anymore. It's a dark forest. Uh, right. And so with that dark forest and in this sort of impending piece, we enter some of our initial characters that shepherd her through there. Mift, um, which is a main, main character, is a little chipmunk who can only repeat certain phrases. Right. So he's very he just Yeah. He just yeah. <laughs> you know. Um so he hears small words and snippets and that's what he repeats and and so he communicates like that. Uh, Brad Zimmerman, great friend out of New Zealand and, and fantastic uh, comedian podcaster voiced Mift absolutely perfectly. He actually also voices Salazar who's a little finch, a bird that's a, the buddy, the brother of, of Mipt in this. And we are introduced to the main character of, of Adeline, who is the, uh, the maternal leader figure of this new world. It's, it's Eridol that she's going into. We don't necessarily know that from the start. But yeah, so it's, it is the trope. But, and it's, it's meant to make you feel comfortable so that we can also then make you feel a little uncomfortable, right? So you, you come in, you sort of things that expected, uh, and there will be little twists along the way for what is experience for for Charlie. Excellent. Well, let's listen to it now. Outside the tall building, the wind twisted and twirled as it hummed between the building crevices and whistled through the cracks along the window's edge as Charlotte, or Charlie as she preferred, looked out across the sprawling city. Bright lights streamed away as far as she could see, adding their dim hue to the chilly night scene spread before her. 
And as the night air brushed against the window, its pulsing caress made its own kind of music that lulled the young Charlie back into her bed and under the pile of covers that tried to keep her warm. And then, and again, and then, at the window, and again. Rubbing her weary eyes, she rolled toward the wall, willing the intrusive notes to go away. Oh, what could it be? Her apartment was so far up, even birds rarely came to visit. This time, she pushed the covers back and rolled herself upright in bed, swinging her legs over the side in one motion, letting her feet come to rest on the soft moss that grew thick at the foot of her bed. What? What? A small bird rested on her nightstand, pulling at the little necklace she had set there as she did every night. Oh, sorry, sorry there. I just, just, just need to borrow this, replied the little bird, who then picked the necklace up, and with a tremendous jump and furious flapping of wings for such a small thing, it managed to lift the necklace into the air while keeping itself aloft. It seemed as though its eye twinkled at her as it dipped and flipped about under the weight of the necklace as it flitted away through a forest of tall trees. Hey, stop! She cut herself off as her round eyes took in the sight before her and all around. Aunt Nani? Aunt Nani? Only the faint echo of her voice replied. Well, this is just a silly dream, she said with a firm nod, trying to convince herself before diving back beneath the covers piled on her bed. I just need to wake up. Just wake up. This voice was not her own, and for a moment she remained hidden beneath the pile of covers. Again, just wake up. The voice repeated itself once and then again. Just wake up, just wake up, just wake up. You don't need to keep saying it. Over and over, the strange little voice repeated the phrase, saying it in different ways until Charlie threw the covers back in frustration. Charlie's abrupt movement caused the little creature to skitter behind the small lamp that sat on the bedside table, where it then peered cautiously back at her. Go ahead, say it again. I dare you. Dare you. So, the next one that we have in our list, <laughs> it resonates with me. It does. It does. It's, and this is uh, Kettle's Meeting. God. Give us a little bit of background. <laughs> yeah, this is a jarring transition from the opening. <laughs> and sweet little Char- Charlie over to Kettle into this particular scene. So, this is why I say this is not just, this isn't a book for just kids, right? It is it's clean. It comes from our own world experience. Um, and, and so this comes from my experience personally, like many of us who have worked in the working world have probably bumped into a boss, like, well, hopefully you've not, but you bumped into a boss like Mr. Kettle, Mr. Kettle is, he's a bad guy in this thing. So they're in this slum, basically they're living in this high rise tower and he is the, the owner of this high rise, um, high-rise tower, basically, where people are just scraping by, barely able to to make ends meet. And he's in charge of this as well as some other housing units. And he's kind of, he's, you know, he's 
basically bought off the police. He's bought off everybody. He's on a gigantic power trip. He's essentially a slumlord and he's got his team in there and he is berating them and he's setting them up against themselves. And so what the loss here is not for Kettle, but for the people in the room, you've got Brian, you've got Jinx, you've got some other yeah, people that you know that are in the room, kind of the leaders uh, of their varying housing units is the loss of agency, right? There's many times that we go through life and are in circumstances where we feel that we cannot take a stand. Uh, we cannot do something. And oftentimes you look back on those and we rethink, you know, man, if I was in that situation again, this is what I would have done. I know you've shared, we don't need to share here. You've shared that you've had those kinds of experiences as well, right? With people that you uh, love and respect is maybe on your team at work or otherwise are being treated horrifically by people who are just people. They have no more power than you, you know, the paying a, a paycheck and it's, it's not worth staying in that moment. And that loss of agency is something I wanted to bring out a lot in the book, in the, in the story itself. And so here you've got, you've got Kettle just, just being so nasty and condescending and in, in taking, taking the power from people, right? He is the cause of that loss. And he is frankly a guy that I worked for. I won't name names, but there are lines that he says, and you're going to listen to him in just a moment. You're going to be like, that is horrific. And I'm like, that is what I've heard in meetings. And did I take the, the step, you know, during those time periods to stand up for others uh, when I had the power? And, and no, and many times I did not. Eventually, yes, in some cases, you know, I started to learn over time to take the agency back and uh, not to have the kind of uh, fear in these circumstances. But many of us experience loss of agency. And so it was, a, it was an important piece uh, that I wanted to include in the story. Absolutely. So, well, let's give it a listen, and I'll apologize up front. <laughs> this is Mike. Mike is Kettle, just so you know. <laughs> I, I don't want to be Kettle. No, I'm He loved being Kettle. I love, I love oh, playing okay. bad Thank guys. You. It's yes. all good. It's all good. And, yes, to, to back you up, unfortunately, we've, we've had these experiences. So here you go. Well, gentlemen, the voice of Mr. Kettle filled the room as he addressed the small team that stood before him. Brian and Jonathan among them. It brings me no pleasure to let you know that I've had a fair offer proposed for this building and several other properties that I own. His voice indicated quite the opposite, that he was rather enjoying telling them precisely this news. Brian and Jinx stood among the small cohort of other building managers and maintenance chiefs that had been called to the hastily scheduled meeting that morning. They watched from their seats around the crowded conference table as he slowly made his way about the room, finally perching a leg on top of an empty chair that rested against the wall, leaning toward the window as if he were having to make a difficult decision. Jinx, you have the paperwork I asked you to draw up. He queried without looking back to the bookkeeper. Yes, sir. All the numbers are here. I've checked them over, and I'm certain they're accurate and up-to-date. Jinx responded with a note of uncertainty now. Coming into the meeting, he had been full of hope at the news he alone held regarding Mr. Kettle's decision about the sale. But he had worked for the man long enough to be cautious when this tone was taken. <sighs> Thank you, Jinx. I'm sure your work is adequate. 
Kittle pushed himself back from the window and strode purposefully over to Jinx, who offered up a folder of papers while the others watched in silence. I've decided not to sell. Kittle's words hung in the wood-paneled room as even Jinx was shocked at this revelation. You see, when you've been in this business for as long as I, you learn to say no even more than you say yes. With this, he plopped the folder Jinx had just handed him onto the center of the table. Okay, so next up. Now this one is, I love this scene because of how powerful it comes off as mm. being. And I, I love how the, uh, the performance is driven and how you soundscape it and you really feel like you're there. And just, I'll, I'll give a, I'll give a hint to those that'll be, you know, uh, sticking with us through the next season of, uh, of Dice Tower Theater in season five, I will say mm. there is a nod mm. at this scene and see mm. if you can find it. Wow. Yeah. Shoot okay. me a note. If you find it in the, in the next season, there okay. is a nod to this scene. Um, this is Adeline's speech. Adeline's, yes. So Adeline played, it's an antelope. We've just discovered we're not big fans of antelopes. <laughs> this is a behind the scenes thing. Call, you You talk with us. Come to Discord and have a conversation. We'll share why we say that. But I'll put a link in the show notes to the uh, to the Discord. Excellent. Where you can... Come join us, talk, engage in conversation. For, on, on be anything. cast members. Be cast members. Well, that's the yeah. cool part. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, you'll, you'll find out the story of why Quakers eat antelopes. Yes. We're going to make a t-shirt. We're going to make a t-shirt. Mike, I commission you to make a t-shirt. What do Quakers eat? Antelope. <laughs> it's happening. I'll make this happen. <laughs> it, it's going on. <laughs> I will wear that to the, <laughs> You'll wear that to the game. game. Oh, anyway, yeah. So uh, Adeline, the leader of uh, of the of the forest, you know, the, the wildlings. <clears throat> Sorry, the leader of the woodlings, uh, played by Alexandria Young Ray. Phenomenal, phenomenal job doing this. He's a lawyer in real life, actually. So. Um, Maybe typecast a little. Uh, she is rallying her troops, knowing that a war is coming, a battle is coming, a battle against a long, you know, foe, and really their own people. I mean, that it's really kind of a civil war. This is what's happening here. It's a civil war between the woodlings over, uh, over, over the power. You know, she is, uh, and we have a, a different scene where she's discussing with Millicent. Millicent is the great blue heron that's on the other side of the conflict. They are sisters. They are connected. Um, very much over time, and they have um, their own conversation that, that delves into it. But this is the rallying cry of the leader. And this is, again, a trope, right? Every movie that you watch, you know, there's some big scene, and the the, the leader is there, and they're, they're rallying the troops. They're bringing their power and giving that to those that are around them. So where does loss fit in? Well, here's this is the twist at the very, very, very get wait till the end of the scene where you see how leaders uh, often lose confidence, right? Behind the scenes, what is in their heart, right? The fear potentially of 
the near unsurmountable reality of what they're facing. And we go through these kinds of things ourselves. You might be a parent, right? You, uh, you're, you're at work, you're, you're, you're a child and your parents are aging. You know, there's, you've got friends that are going through extremely difficult times. You're going, we've just been through a worldwide pandemic, right? And you put the outward positive face on things, but the inward reality of where we're at is the loss of confidence. Uh, in ourselves and this is this is what plays out in this particular scene all right let's give it a listen but we are the woodlings we are bound to this great forest this is our home for uncounted cycles we and our ancestors have stood against every power that threatened she turned back toward them rage filling her voice only once has one of our own turned against the forest in saying this, she stomped a hoof on the great stump, which was created that day as the mother tree had been cut down. We are few, but we are determined. We are few, but we will stand together. We are few, but we rally this day to stand against this evil. We are few, but we are the forest, and the forest is ours. To the place of the stones, to stop this madness. We are the forest, and the forest is ours. We are the forest, and the forest is ours. Again, great cries arose from the woodlings as they turned as one and began to make their way to the place of stones with speed. In moments, Adeline was alone as silence now hung heavy over the great stump. We are few. Too few, I fear, she said softly before, leaping off and chasing after the others. Okay, well, as a uh, an accused and uh, confirmed emotional terrorist... <laughs> Are you an emotional terrorist, Mike? <laughs> that's, that's what I get called. <laughs> Who would call you an emotional terrorist? <laughs> Every player at my table. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I see. Th- th- this scene is a wonderful scene, oh. but it is emotionally devastating. And, mm. and I, I remember the response from many people on the Cast Junkie server. Uh, there's another one to uh, talk through. In fact, that's the the best way to engage with us is with uh, Cash Junkie in our very uh, various forums. Yep, because there are um, many podcasters that are on there. Yeah, absolutely. Creators. Come come join and, and and learn more about other shows. Is it, it's a great place to to meet, interact, engage with uh, with your favorite creators. But there there was a response that took place when this scene. And I, I, both when you cut the scene and when you release the scene, that was amazing because mm. everybody could feel the emotions in it. But this is, of course, I'm speaking of the grave scene mm-hmm. with Joan. So tell us a little bit about that. So played, voiced uh, Joan, Aunt Noni, voiced by Nikki Richardson, uh, Top of the Round podcast. Phena- I mean, the job she did here, absolutely outstanding. I've just, yes, incredible, right? She got 
all of the notes, all of the inflection. So what what's happening here? We didn't mention that like this earlier, but so Joan, Aunt Noni, has adopted Cassie and Charlie. Her her sister Janet is presumed dead and gone, and so she is she's you know she's finally working toward that adoption. Took her sister her, her um, sister's daughters over. So once again, this is a, a bit of a trope uh, in that they're. You know, the, the protagonists are essentially orphans, right? And and a lot of story, a lot of stories are like, I mean, Harry, you know, Harry Potter's you know, same kind of thing. Right? Our show has orphans, yes. And I don't know why, you know, I don't know really why that's other than you can, you feel for them, you feel for them, right? That's it's you it, should, and it's anyway, like it, that's yeah, that's a piece. So that that's a piece we brought that in, like Dickens, like yeah, I mean, I mean come on, literally every every story out there, a- absolutely. It, not to sidetrack too much, but a little levity to this mm-hmm. you know, sad piece. But it is a theory of mine that, uh, you know, Charles Dickens not only created this uh, trope of having, you know, orphans in, in the uh, in stories, in, 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 you know, protagonists or, uh, or what have you, but also that he coined... The fact that everyone with a Cockney accent is either in one of his shows mm. or is an orc from Lord of the Rings. So, Interesting. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, it's another trope I've got to pull out somehow. <laughs> Maybe you're. Are you secretly doing that at Night's Hour Theater? It is. It is. Yeah, meat's on the menu, boys. <laughs> Can I have some more, sir? Yeah, same thing. Can I have some antelope, sir? Some antelope. I'm a Quaker. <laughs> I'm very hungry. You want some antelope? Very hungry Quaker. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. No one has any idea what we're talking about. Come meet us. Um, okay, so, yeah, back to the scene. Nikki, phenomenal, phenomenal job um, with this particular piece. So this, so in this case, uh, yeah, Joan, Aunt Noni, has taken the girls into, into custody. And, you know, she's struggling through it. She's not a mom on her own. Um, part of what I want, and I knew, right? I know going in, this is a major, major thing that's in every story, but I want you it to feel familiar and then a little bit different at the same time, right? So you have an aunt, they still have family. They're not completely pulled apart from actual connected, uh, well, so what family, right? We, we, I think the world is starting to understand that family is bigger than the blood relatives that we've got. That's a, a hugely important piece to this whole, whole thing because they're, Charlie's now building extended family and Joan is building extended, like they were getting this sense of where this family is coming from. Uh, but what is happening is that there is some uncertainty about what actually happened to Janet. They're, the presumed is that she died, she drowned in a river. Um, and, but it's, there's a lot of uncertainty and there's, um, and there's the, the other uncertainty. And so, what this comes down to is where's the loss in this scene. And that is that Joan has lost her sense of certainty of things, right? She knew she was right in taking on the girls. She still knows that she's right in taking on the girls, but she has lost the sense of certainty that she's doing the right thing. And she's struggling with, I'm trying to, the sense of I'm trying to take care of your children for you and to uphold the promises your sister and I'm not, I feel like I'm failing. I've lost one. She's gone away. I've lost this other one. I don't know where they are, how to get them back. And she's pleading at the graveside. Uh, there's some imagery that you'll, that, that happens within there. 
this little crystalline object in the end that that will tie into other story pieces the um, the star and the moon uh, piece that you'll 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 see extended outward and outward in other locations um, but there is that that sense that she's lost oh well, she, you know she's lost that certainty she's looking for help she's calling out for that and I think a lot of us uh, fall into the same kind of thing right we find ourselves in the, the same sort of circumstances where we we were certain of what we have but deep down inside we we don't we don't know the next step to take and that's exactly where Joan is and and so I think a lot of people really connected with the um, they connect with the story piece they connected I think with the performance even more than they connect with the story piece so well let's give it a listen all right The wind whipped across the field, whistling past the large white monuments that stood tall amidst the rows upon rows of smaller headstones and markers, remnants of wreaths, along with a few weather-beaten mementos, resting at the base of a gravestone here and there, marked a loved one's visit with a memory. Joan shivered as she pulled her winter coat more closely around herself. But without trees or buildings, the cold, bitter wind merely cut through the wool fiber as though she wore nothing at all. She was numb from head to toe, but felt none of it. For some time, she had merely wandered about the cemetery, knowing that her feet would take her to the familiar place she had once visited with far greater regularity. Samantha Joan breathed, her breath emitting a puff of steam into the air before being swept away by the chill night breeze. Her sister had bucked the family tradition by taking her husband's name when they wed. Easier to spell and give you a better spot of every list. Joan smiled at her sister's explanation. In truth, she hardly blamed Janet as Cole was a good name and her husband, Charlie, a better man. But she wasn't here to reminisce today. Today, she needed advice. Janet, I've... I've lost Charlie. <laughs> I don't know where she is. I can't believe she would just run away like this, but... I don't know where else to turn. Now that the first words were out, she felt emboldened to continue. I think she must have run away. Be hiding somewhere. But it's been more than a day and she hasn't returned. Joan's voice dropped at the end of the sentence, the familiar mixture of grief and anger welling up from deep within. I had to let Cassie go to school. I know it's what you would have done and it was the right thing. I just... I just wasn't prepared for any of this. Joan pulled her gloved hands from the shallow pockets of her coat. She held a small glass figurine in her hand and... It glistened in the cool winter light. Give this to me the last time we were together. Do you remember? Joan sighed, knowing full well that she was just talking into empty air. Yet she bent to place the small figure on the rounded top of the headstone. Okay, well, this one... This one brings us up a little bit, right? Because this... Again, so tell us again about what this means to you, mm-hmm. where it came from, mm-hmm. um, 
because it, it it really does kind of gel everything together and bring it bring it bring it home as far as the message, right? Mm-hmm. And that is uh, the cave scene. The cave scene, yes. Yeah. So I I act in this one as the bat Jeremy, a blind bat or bat that cannot see anything, you know, which is not too bad for a bat because typically they, yeah. yeah, most people think that they're blind, they are not. So in this case, you've got Jeremy and um. It's a, it's a captivity scene. So what has happened is, and it's, it's earlier than some of the other scenes we've talked about. It's it, it comes in earlier in the book, but it is the turning point for Charlie. So Charlie, when she goes into this new world of Eridul, is very much centered on herself, and she can she can do it. She can do it all on her own. Doesn't need any help. She's a you know tough little girl, and and she's almost immediately kidnapped, <laughs> so, <laughs> taken and you know, by the nefarious forces that are out there who have uh, lured her into this location, actually, and want something that she's got with her, the locket that she has. Uh, we find that actually they want her, but I want her power to to access, you know, this power to break the seals between worlds or the barriers between worlds. And anyway, she is uh, captured and placed into this cave. And in this, this cave, she's able to get released from her bonds. They aren't that, you know, these are animals, basically fantasy animals. They don't do a very good job. They don't use, you know, metal or anything. So she's able to get free of that. But she finds in here that there's another captive that she's with. And that's this this bat that's Jeremy. And um, and so she begins to work through the sense of fear and selfishness, right? Uh, that we lose. So the, the loss, I guess, that's playing out here is maybe the the, the good kind of loss. You know, the, the loss of... of um, of self-reliance, you know, that she's finally figuring out that she doesn't have to do. In fact, she cannot do what she wants to do. She cannot be successful by being completely alone and self-reliant, that she has to reach out and help others. And Jeremy explains this to her, right? That her helping him will help her, right? And sometimes in, in our loss, in our devastation in our despair it is the acts that we take to reach out to help someone else that in fact turn around to heal us and that's what uh, what charlie discovers she can't get out of the cave because she can't see anything anywhere and uh this this bat can because he you know uses his um sonic sonar or you know basically the properties to be able to get through the cave through sound and but the, she's got to talk she can't just be quiet and go through this all on her own because he can't see anything unless there is noise being made. And so there's this a forcing of her to talk through this conversation. And why does she feel so bad about losing Cassie? And did she really lose her sister? No. And she still loves her sister. And all of that stuff was just sort of built up in her mind as something that she was uh, clinging on to, to essentially get attention for herself. And he, pretty much calls her out on that kind of thing um, and, and helps her through her own conversation to to realize that she does have agency. She hasn't lost love, even if, you know, if it's the memory that she's holding on to, right? She still has these things with her. They haven't gone. And I think that's a, a big piece of what we don't realize in loss is that there's always something, you know, there's something around us, someone around us that we haven't lost. Loss isolates. 
Uh, and that, that's probably the biggest piece of this whole story is that sense that loss always wants to pull us away from the from our the things that we love, the, those that love us, those that care about us. It wants to draw us away from our world, from our reality, from our home, from our our family, from you know those those kinds of things. And that's what's happened in the story is loss has has driven her out and locked her away. And so it's this voice in this conversation, and she's the one that realizes it ultimately. But it's through this through the conversation that she realizes that she she isn't lost when she's with others, uh, and and so that that is a big turning, and it starts to turn in the outside story because the story takes as you're seeing right. Uh, there's the real world. There's and she does actually disappear, and so there's real world consequences outside, and then there's this rea- this this fantasy world that she's in, and there's parallels again, somewhat of a trope. You have the same kind of thing that's happening in the Wizard of Oz, uh, you know, Frank Baum's book. You've got real world, and and you've got Narnia. You've got real world. You've got fantasy world, and there's there's connections between those things that are even more deep, really, than than what you might see on the surface. So that that's yeah, this is a key piece for me. It's a lot of what I've learned, but it's a lot of the the counseling conversation in my professional life uh, that I've gone through with a lot of you know, different people. And so bring that out. Excellent. Well, let's give this one a listen. You know, it helps very much if you talk a little. Your voice helps me to see in the dark. Jeremy's voice startled Charlie out of her momentary thoughts of home. Oh, okay. Um, what would you like me to talk about? Charlie replied from behind the large bat as she felt her way along the cave floor, trying not to bump into the rocks and cave fixtures that littered the place. Jeremy had kept up a slow stream of conversation to inform her of how best to maneuver herself to avoid trouble as they made their way deeper into the cave. For a long while, they seemed to be going down and down, but now the path felt as though it were moving back up again. Well, that should be easy. Why don't you tell me about yourself? I know nothing. His voice echoed back as he continued to make a slow and steady path forward. How about we start with your name? For I do not even know that much about you. Charlie blushed though no one would see it in the dark, perhaps not even Jeremy. But she realized that while he had introduced himself, she had not responded in kind. Charlie. My name is Charlie. Well, actually, it it is Charlotte. But everybody calls me Charlie. There, one fact (laughs) about Charlotte. The bat laughed, its voice echoing deep within the cave. If you do not mind, I love the name Charlotte, and would call you by your full name, but only if you uh, permit me. The large fruit bat had paused in front of her, his voice growing louder as presumably he had just turned around to face her. I guess that's okay, Charlie responded timidly. He was such a friendly creature she couldn't help but smile at his enthusiasm at the smallest things. Excellent. Now, another fact about Jean. Tell me more 
for your voice. Life's the battle before us. She could hear the <laughs> smile in his voice and chuckled in response. Well, I'm not very interesting. My sister, she's much more interesting than me. Aha! Two facts! Two facts about Charlotte! Charlotte has a sister. Does this sister have two names like you? Actually, yes she does. Charlie responded as she started to warm to the conversation. I call her Cassie, but her full name is Cassandra. And in saying her name, a deep sadness welled inside of her, choking her throat momentarily. I miss her so much. Oh, my dear, I am so sorry. Is your sister no longer alive? Jeremy had paused again, his voice softening in his response. Oh, no, no, she just had to move away to a new school. Charlie replied sullenly. I see. Is this a school you speak of? Some terrible place where they torture Cassandras. Perhaps it is dark like this cave with no fruit. Not to ever see a beautiful fruit again would be, would be terrible. Terrible indeed, Jeremy responded as he drew back toward her. No, it's not like that. She's actually in a really nice place, you see. Cassie's a really good artist, so she went to a special school where she can become even better. She didn't know why, but explaining it like this didn't make it seem so bad. Well then, why is Charlotte so sad? If your sister is not tortured, and she has fruit, what would be so bad? Jeremy seemed to relax again and turn around as she could sense him starting to move forward again. Well, I don't get to see her. I mean, she'll be coming home in a few weeks for the holiday break, but I didn't get to go with her. Again, Charlie's own response seemed to lessen how badly she felt about the whole situation. Ah, you miss her. This I understand. But it is good that you will be seeing her again and soon, no? All right, everyone. Well, that concludes this episode. I'd like to thank Daniel Nichols for joining me here in his own studio. Let me rephrase that. I'd like to thank Daniel Nichols for letting me stay here. (laughs) Hey, it has been a pleasure, Mike, to have you here. Well, thank you. Yes, it's been a lot of fun, uh, a lot of great things, a lot of great ideas. Can't wait to share them with you all. Uh, I do want to say... Check out the show notes, get over to the Cast Junkie server, engage with your creators. Always, if someone does something that you like, be sure to take that moment to thank them for what they do. Because a lot of us are doing this, you know, just out. It's a lot of passion projects. One thing learning, Mm. talking with other creators is a lot of what we do is just done out of pocket because we want to share our story with the world. So find us on social media, join the Cash Junkie server, talk with other creators, meet other creators, enjoy their stories that they're putting out there for you. Uh, be sure to check out the show notes for the book link. So mm. we will make sure that, yes, Daniel, we're going to put the, we're going to put the book link in there. Um, so that way you can find Charlie Saves Christmas, the novel. Just in time for Christmas. Absolutely. And... Of course, we do offer the patron if you would like to support us. So on the patron itself, uh, it ranges from a dollar up. Uh, you can join us in games. You can join us for 
uh, on another Discord for other conversations. I'll, let me, let me pop. Yeah. You can be part of a DM'd a game that Mike DMs. Let me just. No, I'm there as well in character. You know, and there are others that, that pop in from time to time from Dawn of Dragons in character. And you're building the story because this is how he built the story over the last eight years is through playing the games, taking that, you know, that what happened in the game and then converting that to a narrative. And you can play with the best DM on the planet for almost nothing. I got, I just, so if you haven't played in a while, this, this is my case, right? Haven't been part of a game, been part of a community. It is online, so you can you can do that. If you're in the Denver area, you can probably just pop in and be part of it when they open all that back up. D dude, you you need to be part of a gameplay. And there's there's limited seats to it, so I you know I get that piece of it. Uh, maybe we can convince Mike to open up if a bunch of you you know come over and say, hey, we we want to be part of it. I'm you know I'm sure he'll. I'd do that for I, us. Yeah, I'd, I'd, so, I'd love to do that. So if you haven't been part of that kind of community and you've been missing it for such a long period of time, take part. It, it's just, even if it's for a you know, few months and a few sessions, it's just fantastic. So uh, thank you, Mike. And get the dude is a award-winning you know, fantasy story writer uh, at this point and, and audio drawn. So listen to Dice Tower Theater, uh, The Dawn of Dragons. One incredible, super depth storyline developed collaboratively with actors at, and with his team and with his crew over eight years uh, and ongoing. It's you know it's continuing to go and live and it's got this massive world and and we're just so happy to be part of being able to connect into a world like that. Um, so, well, thank you. I, I I appreciate that, Daniel. I think the. Um... I would love to see everybody join us online and engage and, and share stories, engage in the stories and be part of those stories. Right. Um, well, that, that all being said, I guess we'll call this show a close. Uh, everybody stay tuned for season five coming out next, next year. It'll be as the snow starts to thaw mm. is what I'm thinking for that. Watch the feeds for Charlie what if and, you're in Alaska, the northern parts of? Okay, let me rephrase that. So the the sun might be a little higher. <laughs> I'll have to check with. Liz. What if you're in Africa and you've never seen, or in the equator area, never seen snow? Well, Josh already brought the ain the, the rains in Africa. We we talked about okay, that, right? Okay, okay. I'm just you know. Yeah, he, yeah. I was trying to follow the word image there and <laughs> make sure that. It, It'll be towards the spring of the oh, northern hemisphere. I see, that? the northern hemisphere <laughs> spring. Thank you. <laughs> Is that better? So, <laughs> <laughs> Where the antelope roam and are eaten by Quakers. <laughs> are eaten by Quakers. And, and, <laughs> and also keep an eye out for the, um, the redo of Cassie as it starts to roll out. Cassie in the spectrum. Absolutely. Yes. Going to start right back at the first chapter again. New cast and a lot of new casts. A lot of you know, the same cast that we've had, but a lot of new cast, especially main characters. So, Absolutely. Jump back on the bandwagon. It's going to be a, a wonderful ride. Until then, adventurers, stay safe and remember the oath.